I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 to 40 minutes with women, women of color, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic, and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in tech by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior, and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60-plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge a gap between schools and workplaces by getting into the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash the full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voices of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive, diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture to retain diverse talent so we keep the workforce power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Representation matters. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Tech Queen Marita Chang, founder of Obot and author of the book Smart Girls Book. Hi, Marita. Hey. I'm very happy to have you joining us from the U.S. today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am great, too. It's Christmas time soon. Yes, very exciting. And I'm very excited to get to know you. So let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus question. Let's do it. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Love, inspiration, and leadership. How would you describe your life in three sentences? I'd say that I really enjoy my work, that I work really hard, and that I'm really lucky to have been able to create this kind of job for myself. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? I think I generally like slower, sad songs, but I also get a lot of joy from like really weird, zany songs, like the songs from the movie Paprika, for example, which is this Japanese movie from, I don't know, like 15, 20 years ago or something. What's your personal motto? I feel like it's to live life authentically and be authentic and be the truest expression of myself. What's your favorite book? The four hour work week, because I read it when I was like 20, and I think that it like impacted how I live my life. What is your favorite podcast? I like Freakonomics. Mac or PC? I have a Mac. 
There's something interesting about you that most people don't know. That I've been to North Korea. What is your hidden talent? I know how to cook crab, the Chinese style. I mean, I don't think it's that hard, but other people don't seem to know how to do it. So I guess that makes it pretty cool. You've written a book about your life. If you were going to write another book about your life, what would a title be? The first book that I wrote about my life is called Smart Girl Books, Maruta Chang, to encourage girls into science, technology, engineering, maths. And I think if I wrote another book about my life, it'll either be like a sequel, or so it'll be another children's picture book, and it'll be called Smart Girl Books, Maruta Chang, Volume 2. Great start, Marita. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Cairns in far north Queensland, Australia, which is right next to the Great Barrier Reef where Finding Nemo is from. What was your dream job as a child? To be the founder and CEO of a robotics company. What was your favorite subject in school? My favorite subject in school was maths. What was your least favorite subject? I like doing all the subjects, but because I wanted to choose so many, the ones that I didn't get around to doing at high school was like the humanities, like history, geography. I do find them interesting. I just had so many science subjects. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? When I was six and I think someone gave us a laptop. Maybe it was like my uncle came and visited from Hong Kong and had a laptop. And so we used that laptop for a long time. So yeah, I, I did things that kids do on the computer, like play games and write my essays. And it was a few years later that I first discovered Google. So before that, I guess I used Yahoo and Ask Jeeves. And I remember using Google for the first time and I was like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so super. What other technology gadgets did you own? I owned a Tamagotchi when I was 9 or 10. That was quite popular back then. It was my little digital pet that I had to remember to feed every day. And I mean, I owned a mobile phone, a Nokia, like a brick. You couldn't break it. And then I guess, yeah, we upgraded and got a better computer to do homework on when I was like a teenager. And who was your female role model growing up and why? I think a different female role models. The ones that are coming to mind now are Tan Lee, who's a technology entrepreneur from Australia, and Cheryl Sandberg later on when I was a teenager. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? Growing up in Cairns, Far North Queensland, it's pretty remote. There was less than 100,000 people when I was growing up in that town. And that's not many people, but I think the thing that makes it unique is that it's actually really far from other places. So to get to the nearest city with over a million people is a 19-hour drive away. So I think, yeah, being so remote, it kind of made me really curious about the rest of the world and made me want to really explore the rest of the world. I think the generation that I came from, I was kind of there for like all these new social media trends. So I don't think like I'm as native to it as like the younger kids. Also, I think I was like just very focused on like the other things that I was doing. So I don't think I really like embraced that earlier social media trend when it first came out. 
at university, uh, there was a really big trend for hardware startups and Kickstarter. It was all the rage and Apple also was like just going through phenomenal growth. And so this hardware tech industry was so exciting. I think that definitely influenced me to want to be part of the hardware world and building robots. So yeah, I think all of that influenced me in my education, choosing to study mechatronics engineering, computer science and my career choice. Very interesting. And that's exactly what you are doing today. I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Marita, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? I flew three and a half hours down south to Melbourne to study at the University of Melbourne, which is the best university in Australia. And I studied mechatronics engineering and computer science. And you said as a child, you already wanted to be in working in robotics. So who and what influenced you to get into your choice and field? I think I was influenced by the books that I read. I read a lot of books and I read a sci-fi book once and it was about a little kid whose dad was a scientist and inserted a nanobot in him, which kept him really healthy. But then some evil people wanted his dad to work for them or something. And so they like hacked into the micro, the nanobot inside his body and caused him to feel ill. And so I thought that was really intriguing. I think I was also inspired by like Apple, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak and Google, just like the hardware and then the computing and putting them together. And I thought this is really exciting getting into robotics. What professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own? While I was at university, I started an international nonprofit to get girls interested in robotics and encourage them into engineering. So we go out to schools with robots and teach girls how to build and program them. It's called RoboGals. Uh, so I was the founder CEO of that and grew it around the world. And it's still a thriving organization today. And that gave me the confidence that I could lead people start a company. And so I started a robotics company called Albot. Yeah, exactly. So what is it that Albert does? So Albert makes a product called the Teleport, which is a telepresence robot that allows people to be in multiple places simultaneously. So you could be at home as we were during the pandemic and then have a robot at the office or in a warehouse remotely and navigate around and get a sense of what was happening in a remote place without needing to actually be there. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? I'm the founder CEO. My main responsibilities are to set the vision, hire the team, and yeah, sell the product and make sure that everything works and that everyone's happy and that we achieve our goals. Why did you start a company? I started the company because I really wanted to bring robots to the world. And I saw that as like an expression of myself. What does a typical workday look like for you? Typical workday for me is I'll get up and do emails and other things that I have to do and then have meetings for hours. I love to quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Marita, what do you love about your role? I love working with a lot of people. Yeah, having my team work with me on something is really inspiring. Having my team and I all like work towards the same goal together. It's really motivating, like seeing us getting closer and closer to goals and achieving goals. And what is the best experience you have had so far? Any examples? I think it's really nice to like celebrate milestones when you hit goals, but 
I also just like it when it's like the day to day is really satisfying when you're like, I had a great day today and I'm excited about this person or that person. And I think I have the right team to hit our goals. And what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? I've done a bunch of different companies and different projects and there are skills that are transferable between those, but they're not all the same. And so I think like earlier on when I was doing different projects, I thought based on my old timelines and based on me having done all these other projects before, this is how this project should go. And then because it'd be in a different industry with different constraints, different skill sets needed, like the timelines would just be very different. So I think that was a big challenge. Like I think that like when you do something for the first time, it takes a long time because you need to figure out what you're doing. But once you've done it once, the second time is like so much easier, takes a lot less time, so much faster, so much better. And then once you do it the third time, you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And it's like very systematic and it's really good. And what is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? I remember like earlier, maybe in my 20s, people would say, oh, you're an engineer. That's not creative. And I was like, what? Being an engineer is really creative because sure, there's maths and science and physics and the constraints of the universe that you have to abide by. But still, you have to take these tools and put it all together in a way that works and you have to solve problems. It's a very creative profession. What do you love about working in the tech industry? I love working with other people and using technology to create solutions to problems, like having a goal, having a problem in mind, and then being able to use tech to amplify what we can do to solve it. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. So Marita, what has by far been your biggest achievement in your career? I think the biggest achievement in my career was founding my nonprofit, River Gals, and having it grow beyond me and having it achieve so much impact even like years after I've left it. Yeah, like growing something that's bigger than me and self-sustainable without me. And what is the biggest factor that's helped you become successful? Any success habits? I'm very tenacious. I don't give up. And I think I yeah try to live like really true and authentic to myself. And I like to see things through to the end. If I'm going to start this, then I want to finish it. How do you measure your own performance at work? Sometimes I ask my team for feedback about my work. And yeah, when they say various things, like it sticks with me. With success comes failure. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? I've had so many. Yeah, I think like maybe earlier on, it was the timelines, like having unrealistic timelines for what we could achieve and by when. And then with those unrealistic timelines came like a lot of financial obligations because I thought, okay, well, we're going to achieve this. And so we're going to hire all these people to help us achieve it. Oh, no, we haven't achieved it. And so, yeah, I think all of that comes with experience. What would you say is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? I think I'm very focused on whatever project it is that I'm working on now and wanting to get whatever goals are associated with that project. Let us now jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Marita, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? 
Yes, I do. I have an executive coach, Robert, and I talk to him like every two weeks and he motivates me and encourages me. And I'm always surprised because I'll, I'll go in and I'll say, hey, this is what's on my mind right now. And then he'll help me like step away from that and see the bigger picture and see that I'm on the right track. And I leave those course feeling lighter and seen and validated and like I'm on the right track and I'm doing the right thing. Who is your female non-binary or transgender role model you look up to in your field? Tan Lee, the Australian technology entrepreneur. She's a Vietnamese, Australian, American entrepreneur. And so lots of similarities with me and my career aspirations. And so I think it's really cool what she's achieving. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsor in business than women. So Marita, how important do you think it's to have a mentor, champion, or sponsor during one's career? It's really important. I think having someone who believes in you is really special. Yeah, I have like a couple of people who are like really relevant to my field, who I like message and email and they've had a lot more experience than me and they have a lot of their own clout and reputation in the field and to have them support me and cheer me on and encourage me, like it's very important. Helps unblock me so that I can keep moving forward. Let us now move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And then Shirley Sandberg, ex-CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others better as a result of presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. So Marita, what does leadership mean to you? I think leadership is about influencing people so that they want to do what you want them to do to help with the goal. It's having a goal in mind, but then it's not enough to just have a goal and tell people to do stuff. You need to want to make other people want to do it and row with you. What do you consider good versus a bad leader? I think that a good leader is empathetic towards their team members and what their team members need and want. I also see a good leader as someone who unblocks whatever's in the way from their team members getting done what they need to do. That's how I see myself. My role is to help everyone in my team do what they need to do and give them the resources that they need to do their roles. And I think a bad leader is everything that I just mentioned. And who is your favorite female non-binary or transgender tech leader and why beyond Shirley Sandberg? I have a bunch of friends who are also uh, women founder CEOs of their own companies and I look up to them. I'm inspired by them, by my peers, that they're doing really cool stuff and getting out there and putting themselves out there and, and that inspires me to do more and put myself out there as well. How would you describe yourself as a leader? As a leader, I think I do what I try to do in everyday life, which is to really understand or really empathize with people in my team and to make them feel comfortable and make them feel good about themselves and to go out of my way to make sure they feel empowered and respected, like what they're doing matters. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? As a leader, I think the value that's most important to me is respect. Yeah, respecting people when they tell me what they tell me. Yeah, like setting expectations with people and 
holding them to that expectation because I think that's the respectful thing to do. If someone says they'll do something, I'm going to hold them to that. Otherwise, I feel like that's disrespectful if you don't. What leadership lessons have you learned that has formed you into the leader you are today? I think when I was a younger leader, I was more uncertain about myself. But over the years, I've learned that if people believe in a cause and they have their skills that they bring to a certain role, then they want to use their skills for that role to achieve that vision. And so your role as a leader is to harness those skills so that everyone can do their bit, so that we can all together work and achieve the common goal. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? My strengths are definitely thinking big, being bold, being visionary, being focused, being hardworking. Yeah, just being really focused towards a goal and being kind and compassionate. I'd say that one of my weaknesses used to be that I wasn't that organized and I didn't have good processes, but I think I've come a long way. And now I have like heaps of spreadsheets and heaps of documentation and everyone who I show all of this to is, wow, this is like really cool. You're really organized. Yeah, I think it's interesting how like 10 years ago, I was not like that. And then just out of necessity, I had to like develop these organizational skills so that I could run things on a large scale. Another weakness would probably be that, yeah, I think sometimes I'm definitely like so focused on the goal that like other things just fade away because I'm, I'm just like, we got to do this. And yeah, that takes precedent over everything else. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Marita, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging means to me that uh, however you are, you're accepted and not discriminated upon because of your gender or your race or yeah, how you look or how you speak and that people accept you for what you say you are and what you want to be and your skills and what you bring to the table. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? I've never worked at another company before. I've only ever started my own. I think it's about the uh, employees and do they feel like they're being respected and valued and working towards something meaningful in their roles. As a woman, what has been the most significant political or cultural barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? I... Try and focus on just the things that I can control and the things that I can take responsibility for. So I think if I see that there's going to be a cultural or political barrier, then I just focus more on what I can control and try and not focus on the things that I can't. Why do you think it's important for more women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders to join the tech industry today? I think it's really important to have diversity in the tech industry because we're creating tools that impact millions and millions of people so it's important to have a diverse set of people creating these tools to make sure everyone's represented and that it's helping everyone do you and how do you speak with your colleagues peers and community about deib challenges for example salary gaps and promotions I'm part of a WhatsApp group with a whole bunch of women in AI and people share in that group sometimes about these challenges and we all support and encourage each other. 
The many public and internal discussions about the barriers women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? I think for me, because I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, yeah, I feel like I have a bunch of like female entrepreneur role models who I look up to. And so I feel like I can reach higher positions in the tech industry. I mean, a lot of people have told me that I can't start my own company and that I'm not going to succeed and that my ideas suck for every single one of my companies. And it's not great when people (laughs) tell you all that, but I just focus on me doing what I know to do and take one step every day in that direction. and. Focusing on my locus of control. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, women of color, non-binary, and transgender. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. What is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? Yes, I've definitely heard this amongst my friends. So I think it's important to have education for people within the company so that they understand the importance of gender diversity and equity. Yeah, I've definitely seen like some companies that do have that and they do a better job of retaining women. So I think talking about like programs that encourage gender diversity and equity, but then also acting upon those programs that you talk about is really important because I have seen companies that pay a lot of lip service, but then they don't actually follow through and act on it. So that doesn't really achieve anything if you're not doing that second part. But yeah, companies that I've seen that do both, but they talk about it and they take the actions internally. I feel like they do better on this. And I think it it shows through, like, I know that a lot of women who are thinking about what companies to join, they they look for these kind of programs. They see the support network for women. They they see that women are working there happily and are at different levels of leadership. And they're like, I want to join that company. But I think, yeah, if a woman looks at a company and sees that there aren't many women throughout all levels, then, then sure, they might still join, but then the culture might not be there for them to stay long term. What would you say are the few challenges of implementing a DEIB culture in a workplace today? I think like in Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, one of the challenges is that these startups, they might not start that way where they're inclusive and equitable and they just hire like a really tiny group of people and then they hire the same people and suddenly they don't have this diversity in the workplace. And so there's like a huge inertia they have to overcome in order to even get started with this. That is a big challenge, like completely changing your workplace culture. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having not just women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at C-suite level and boardrooms with actual mandate? I think having yeah, a diversity of voices around the boardroom is really important. I was a board member of the Foundation for Young Australians for six years in my 20s. And I was amongst the first group of under 30s that joined that board. And all the board members commented that it was really good to have that young perspective in the boardroom because they were making decisions that impacted people like us who were under 30. And to have us just ask questions or be there, like hold them accountable to thinking about like people of all ages. And so I think, yeah, that diversity of voices in the boardroom means that more perspectives are accounted for. 
yeah, even in my job on a day-to-day basis, we make sure that we have a whole range of perspectives on the technology that we're building, the products that we're building. And everyone on the team says that having all of these different perspectives is really valuable because sometimes you can see that something isn't right, but you don't know how to voice it exactly. And someone else looking at the same thing might see it from a different perspective and can voice it in a way where everyone agrees is like a better way to do something. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? I think it's matured. I think there's definitely like more programs out there, encourage diversity and equity. And there's the whole division of people who work in this area now at large companies. So I think it's definitely matured a lot since I joined. And looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I think that's hard for me to answer because I've really started my own companies. And then outside of starting my own companies, I've really advocated for women in technology industries. I'm looking forward. What will you do as a leader beyond the amazing work you're already doing in robotics and being an author of your book to prove the bias for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders in tech? I mean, that's why I wrote my book because... I've started these companies and I would go around and give speeches about my journey and people really resonated with it. And a lot of people would come up to me afterwards and say, I really want my daughter. I really want my son to have heard that. I wish I brought them here. Can you go speak at their school? But there's only one of me and there were like thousands of people who would say something like that to me. And so I thought, I'm going to write this book so that people can have my story in their homes and share it with their kids and inspire this whole new generation that they can create technology and have their technology have a positive impact on the world. Powerful. You're really impacting a lot of people out there. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Marita, you have without a doubt a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? Yeah, I think that having good mental health is really important. I talk to my executive coach and I always leave like really encouraged and even the problems that I share with him, like they seem smaller by the time I finish talking to him. I also be a therapist sometimes and talk to them and they help me develop strategies to maintain better mental health. And I try and see my friends often so that I can feel seen and validated. And I think it's really important for me to advocate for myself so that I feel like I can be my authentic self with everyone, which helps me feel connected and my fullest expression of myself. I also like to do leadership courses to like encourage me to achieve all of my goals. So I might do like a four month leadership course. And during that, I'll say, okay, this is my goal in my company. And then I like work really hard throughout that leadership course to achieve that goal. And usually the goals that I take with me to my leadership course are are really big, scary goals that, yeah, that really scare me that I don't know how to do. But being in these leadership courses means that I have a whole community of people who are encouraging me to like take that next step, take every single step so that I'm like heading into the direction that I want to head. Have you ever experienced burnout? Yes, I have. I held a life purpose event with my friends. I invited like three friends over and I came up with a whole set of activities 
And yeah, I think from Friday evening until Saturday evening, we all sat and did all these activities together and spoke about like where we were and what we wanted to do. Also, yeah, I just took time to like enjoy life and enjoy my friends and just think through things and live life a little. And I think during that time, I didn't attach myself to as many goals and just, yeah, let things happen. I'm still push things in the right direction and walk in the right direction, but not really go full out for something. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? I think to create a mentally healthy workplace, companies should create a culture that is kind, that is okay with projects not working out, that is okay with ideas being shared, even if they might be stupid. Yeah, I think companies should create a culture of respect and then maybe at least employees won't feel like they're mentally stressed out by their workplace at the very least. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I'm just focused on my goals and my projects and I want to achieve my goals and see them through. And that helps me jump out of bed every morning. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for listeners. Marita, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? A really great piece of advice is the only way out is through. And so if you have a big challenge, if you avoid it, then the challenge just becomes bigger, it becomes insurmountable, and you have a mental voice in your head that tells you that you can't achieve something. But if you have a big challenge and you go through it, you stand your ground and you walk your way through it, even though it's really uncomfortable in the moment, once you get through that challenge, you know yourself to be a different person. You're so much stronger. You see the world in a different way. You know yourself as someone where what you experienced isn't a challenge anymore. And it just becomes another tool in your arsenal of things that you're capable of. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? Honestly, I think the worst advice I've been given is when I listened to people too much and I didn't have a strong enough belief in myself. And I think I just respected other people so much. I was like, oh, well, you know, you have like 50 years more experience than me. Of course, I'm going to listen to you. You have 30 years more experience than me. Of course, I'm going to listen to you. And that just like, yeah, made me like not strong and steady. And I think that I recognize that. And in the future, I was like, I'm just going to believe in myself. I'm going to believe in my vision. I'm not going to take that much notice of someone who I've just had a five minute conversation with and is telling me their unfiltered first thoughts. And yeah, I was like, I'm just going to believe in me. And what that's meant is that when people have come to me with their criticisms or their concerns, I've stood my ground. I've kept going with my vision and I feel so proud of myself. And I'm really happy that I'm building out this thing and everyone's advice, like, well, well, meaning I'm like, I'm going to take that as a comment. And it's just made me feel so strong and so powerful. And I want to like always remember this lesson, I think, to like believe in my gut, to believe in myself, believe in my vision. And that's how you achieve great things. Powerful. Well done. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had while starting out in the tech industry? The most important thing would have been like being brutally honest with yourself and yeah, just listening to yourself, trusting your gut, doing something that's really authentic to you. I think if you do that and you're like, this is my vision, 
this is what I want to do. I'm going to stand my ground. Then you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. And yeah, I, I was listening to the Freaking Linux podcast last night and it was about failure. And they said, if you want to do something, do it. If you're bad, be bad, but like, don't be boring. Like, don't do something just because other people tell you to do it. Yeah, just be you. Do you. Have you at the fullest expression out in the world. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? To be true to myself and think deeply to not just, yeah, be like the wind and sway when other people would tell me to sway. What advice would you give to young girls, women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders? Get very interested in something and create projects in those areas so that you can learn more about your interests and so that you can demonstrate your skills through your projects. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and career in Tech Marita? What are your career aspirations? I'm really focused on my current project and reaching my next milestones with that. So I'm very excited about that. But just in general, I want to keep building technology and keep building technology companies that make a huge impact on the world. So I think for me, I, I want to always have that wonder and that curiosity to find interestingness in everything that I do and to find interestingness in different and more projects. I don't want to become jaded and I don't want to lose that curiosity and that wonder. Amazing. Marita, you're such a role model and you do make a lot of huge impact in the world. So thank you very much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing your journey with, without a doubt, by a change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders in tech. Thanks, Jasmine. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.